heart's desire when we pray. Holy Spirit, lift us higher when we pray. When we pray. When we pray. Let it not be for a season when we pray. Give us wisdom and a reason when we pray. Let your name be our petition when we pray. When we
justice and the power of his blood. I come before you, Lord, recognizing that you are supreme in authority. Your power is great in the heavens and the earth, and your anger is shown against all wickedness and the evil imagination of men. Father, I boldly approach your throne yet again, this time asking for grace and mercy for your bride, the church. Your word says that judgment shall begin at the house of God. So let the church bear the greatest indictment because your invisible works are clearly seen, demonstrating your eternal power and divine nature. All men are without excuse. Yet through hypocrisy, we have given place to your enemies to blaspheme your great and holy name. Because of our perversion and deceitfulness, which brings shame to your name, they question whether we are really your children. For this cause, Lord, we are guilty and bear the greater burden. We have been weighed in the balance and been found wanting, yet we refuse to change our path. We have been deliberate in our great trespass before you, Lord, and we are not hidden from your sight. We have provoked you to anger with our foolish and unwise behavior, being spiritually blind and naked, allowing the world to see our shame. Heavenly Father, because you are a God of mercy and great compassion, we come before you in humility that you may examine our ways. We come before you confessing that if we humble ourselves and pray, seek your face, and turn from our wicked ways, then will you hear from heaven, forgive our sins, and heal our land. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, we thank you, Heavenly Father, that your hands are not shortened that they cannot save, nor your ear heavy that it cannot hear. We stand before you, Lord, to answer the indictment that has been laid against us and pray that through repentance our sins will be forgiven. For we have done wicked things in your sight, even rebellion against your commandments and your continued reminders and warnings. In the name of Jesus, we acknowledge our shortcomings and weaknesses, seeking to be washed in the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ. For we were called to be the salt of the earth, of people that would bear witness to your name, follow your examples, live by your commandments, and set a difference between that which is holy and that which is profane. Instead, our hearts have been pierced with the desires of the world, and we have adopted their ways, chasing after materialism and lust and compromising your standards. We have not sought you for who you are, but for what you can give and how much we can get. We have allowed worldliness into your church and created unholy alliances with the world, calling that which is evil good and that which is good evil, while refusing to take a righteous stand. We have sought validation from the world and coveted the admiration of men who have perverted your statutes for selfish gain. We have shown them all that is in your sanctuary, giving access to thieves and robbers who now make merchandise of your sheep and a mockery of your name. We have failed to protect the innocent, neglected the cries of the poor, and watched as families are being destroyed. We have not sanctified you in the eyes of the people, becoming powerless gift chasers who adorn the things on the outside while failing to address the evil within. We have compromised your word by seeking popularity and friendship with the world, choosing to entertain the masses with our talents and gifts while watering down your word and speaking fables instead of convicting people to change. We stand idle as the innocent are snatched from the womb while we defend the guilty giving them place on your stage. We are consumed with the pursuit of wealth, while at the same time we are robbed of morality, dignity, and holiness. Through compromise and exploitation, we have lost our influence. Through sermonettes and motivational speeches, we have catered to itching ears. And through hypocrisy and double standards, our pulpits have been stripped of power and authority. 
We have even embraced the lifestyles of this world and distorted the meaning of your love instead of preaching the sovereign design and plan of God. We have lost our way, Lord, and given over the years of this life. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, forgive us, Father, for we bombard your throne with selfish prayers while the world around us declines and decay, drifting further and further away from you. We have been mesmerized by the lust of the world and desensitized by its influences while engaging in unspeakable acts, adultery and fornication, abortions, drunkenness, promiscuity, hatred and insensitivity, drug use, blasphemies, idolatry, man lying with man, women lying with women. We defile ourselves by flooding our minds with pornography, immorality and lust and other kinds of sexual perversion. We have neglected our children and not taught them your ways, putting success and riches before love and direction. We have allowed our marriages to grow cold, harbored unforgiveness, and refused to show affection, while opening the door for the enemy to wreak havoc in our families. We have become a lukewarm church, lacking holiness and obedience to your word, even denying your name, Lord, and abandoning the cross. We have allowed false prophets to operate in the church while embracing false gods and religions. We are in a backslidden state and confess our sins before you. We were all born into this world with something to surrender, but so many of us have refused to let go, choosing to embrace our fallen nature by making excuses for sin, as opposed to trusting your word for deliverance and healing. In doing so, we have denied the power of the cross and the delivering authority of your resurrection. We go down in the water, but never come up, sinking further and further into the depth you gave your life to conquer. We have titles without meaning, performances without actors, services without substance, and buildings that are lifeless when it comes to the real power of God. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, we repent, Lord, and ask for your forgiveness. Lord, let your anger and fury be held back and let your mercy fall upon us as we repent of our wicked deeds and turn back to you. Let us once again be the people you have chosen to show yourself strong in the earth. And through our examples and trusting your word, the world will once again look to the church for salvation and demonstration of the true power of God. Lord, please hear our cry, incline thine ear, and behold our frail state, that we may eagerly approach your throne with boldness and have confidence at your appearing. Your word says that you will never leave or forsake us, and we come to you by faith, knowing that without faith it is impossible to please you. Deliver us from the guilt of the past, and wipe away all condemnation, for through our sin we have given the enemy access to our lives and the legal right to carry out his diabolical plan of destruction against us. But now, Lord, through repentance his rights have been revoked. In the name of Jesus, we denounce Satan and his demonic forces of evil and his rebellion against the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus and the finished work of the cross, he loses all rights to torment, deceive, destroy, afflict, and manifest himself in the lives of your people. And we sever all ties, cooperation, agreement, conspiracy, and relationship with the world and the world system. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, we command Satan to loose every stronghold, demonic manifestation, false belief, vice, grip, addiction, spell, and curse right now according to the word of God. We choose you, Lord, and the finished work of the cross, and want no part of Satan and the temptations of this world. I declare right now that we are loosed in your precious name. Lord, we renew our covenant and commitment to you, 
and exercise our choice to faithfully serve you with all of our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. In the name of Jesus, we make a conscious choice to turn back to you and once again follow after your statutes and commandments and pledge our undivided service and devotion to you. But we have been bought with a price and serving you is our reasonable service. So help us, Lord, to be lights in this world, ambassadors of the Most High God and instruments of righteousness, representing your will and not our own. I pray, Lord, that our hunger and thirst for you is never quenched and that you give us both to will and to do your good pleasure, that we as a church may fulfill the calling and purpose that you have spoken over our lives. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, we denounce the pleasures of this world, false doctrine and all forms of spiritual adultery. We pray that you expose the synagogue of Satan operating behind church walls, every lying and deceitful spirit and demons operating as angels of light. Let us not worship or reverence anyone or anything but the true and living God and drive out the spirit of Antichrist. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I pray that you remove all doubts and bring revelation to every distortion of the truth and that we drive out the spirit of Jezebel that teaches fornication, lust, and idolatry that her curse, seduction, and influence be broken and bound right now in the name of Jesus and erased from the hearts and minds of your people. I ask, Lord, that the depths of Satan operating in the church be exposed and driven out in Jesus' name, that we no longer defile ourselves through the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, hating all evil, pride, arrogance, and the evil way. Grant us spiritual discernment that we are not deceived, let us examine the fruit of a man and not be gift chasers led astray by talents, gifts, and charisma. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I pray that the church will once again be known for its good works, love, faith, dedication, patience, and compassion to all men. That we hate the sin but love the sinner, understanding that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Let us love according to the word of God, standing on the truth preaching the word in and out of season and making no provision for the flesh while understanding that grace is not an excuse for sin and a justification for heaven. Help us, Lord, to minister without compromise to those seeking the truth and be found without spot or wrinkle, boldly proclaiming the truth of Christ and the power of his resurrection. Let us live and reign with Christ, clothed with holiness and abiding in his presence through eternity. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I speak life into your church and come against all dead things. Let our branches bring forth fruit in their season and our roots be nourished by the waters of life. Let us be called and set apart, chosen and faithful, serving as kings and priests in your kingdom, knowing that we are in the end times, that we be not lulled to sleep by the passing of days, nor deceived by scoffers who deny your coming, but that we are watchful and that day does not overtake us as a thief in the night. We are pilgrims in the earth, and this is not our home. So we look forward to the rapture and second coming of Christ, having faith that the promises of God shall come to pass. In the name of Jesus, I pray that we hold fast to our belief that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man cometh to the Father but by you, and that we never lose our boldness and passion for the Most High God. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I pray that we are not weary in well-doing, and that we have a desire to spend quality time in your word and in fellowship with you. That we neglect not the fellowshipping of the saints, as we are one in the body of Christ and sealed by the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. That we may all faithfully walk in the calling and purpose we have been given, pressing toward the mark and high calling of Jesus Christ our Lord. 
I thank you, Lord, that you are able to keep that which we have committed unto you against that day, and that nothing we have done is in vain, but all things are accounted to our heavenly account that we may be rich towards God. Lord, let us run this race with patience, looking unto you who has endured the cross and despised the shame for the joy that was set before you, that our names be confessed before the Father and written in the Lamb's book of life. I pray, Lord, that we are steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the love of God, that we may receive a crown of life promised to those who endure unto the end. Now unto God, who knows the beginning from the end, who is our shield in time of trouble, and who causes us to endure the fiery furnaces of life, we give you honor and praise. We proclaim and ascribe greatness to your name, for your deeds are perfect and all that you do is just and fair. You own the cattle on a thousand hills and cause darkness to flee in the presence of light. I pray, Lord, that we demonstrate our gratitude for all that you have done by keeping your commandments. For your word says, obedience is better than sacrifice and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Let your word be a light unto our path, revelation in darkness, and our blueprint for all matters pertaining to this life and the one thereafter. It is through you, Heavenly Father, and the power of your might that one could chase a thousand and two could put ten thousand to flight. For greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. These things I ask and pray and affirm in Jesus' great and holy name. Amen. 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 I tell you, that is a powerful prayer. Oh, yes. What he was was praying is Bible. He was praying Bible back to God. Right. And and that's that's what we should do. I mean, um, if you have faith, then you always uh, pray back the the promises yeah, of Jesus. Promises. You pray to right. life. You say, Lord, you said that there is no weapon that is performed against us. Right. Yes, you said, Lord. That's right. So we want to thank you for joining us tonight on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing. Bible study hour. Oh, it is great to be here, I tell you. Yes, and we and hope it, that you had a great Thanksgiving. Yes, and then it's great to open up the book of the God's Word and study it together. It's even more yeah. of a blessing. Yes, a, well, that is more of a big Thanksgiving right That's there. That's right. I tell you. <laughs> when you open up God's Word, I mean, what is more powerful and giving than uh, God's Word? Amen, amen. And we're going to be talking about contrary passages in the Bible. We're going to start with John chapter 5 and verse 39. John chapter 5, verse 39. You search and investigate and pour over the scriptures diligently because you suppose and trust that you have eternal life through them. And these very scriptures testify about me. Amen. Amen. I ain't do nothing to give you amen. That's right. We're going to go to 1 Peter again. 1 Peter. We're going to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. Okay. 1 Peter. You know, Peter warns us that to always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you. First Peter chapter three and verse fifteen. 
And do you know that, <clears throat> excuse me, do you know that time is here right the now? The time is now. Time, Absolutely. Time is right now. That's why you find so many people, I don't believe in the Bible. Mm -hmm. I don't believe this and I don't believe that. And you can read sound documents to them and they would say, oh no, that, that's not true. If there's a God, why is this? If there's a God, why is that? Right. They're doing that right now. So, you know, these being the case, we should look not only as those passages that easily can be explained to fit our beliefs, but also at some passages that are commonly used to teach something different from what we believe. Amen. Because there's a lot of them out there. So as we do, we should follow the inspiring example of Jesus. Christ himself did not suppress one word of truth, but he spoke it always in love. He was never rude, never needlessly spoke a severe word, never gave needless pain to a sensitive soul. He did not censor human weakness. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 16. In verse 19 through 31. See, this is another passage just contrary. See, it's about rich man and Lazarus. And we're going to read it. Luke 16, starting at verse 19. There was a certain rich man who habitually clothed himself in purple and fine linen and reveled and feasted and made merry in splendor every day. And at his gate there was carelessly dropped down and left a certain utterly destituted man named Lazarus, covered with sores. He eagerly desired to be satisfied with what fell from the rich man's table. <clears throat> Moreover, the dogs even came and licked his sores. And it occurred that the man, reduced to begging, died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham fall away, and Lazarus in his bosom. He cried out and said, Father Abraham, have pity and mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime fully received what is due you in comfort and delights. And Lazarus, and like many, the discomfort and distress by now is comforted here, and you are in anguish. 
verse 26, and besides all this, between us and you, a great chance has been fixed in order that those who want to pass from this place to you may not be able, and no one may pass from there to us. And the man said, Then, Father, I beseech you to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, so that he may give solemn testimony and warn them, lest they too come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear and listen to them. But he answered, No, Father, Abraham. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent, change their minds for the better, and hardly amend their ways with their poems of their past sin. And he said to him, If they do not hear and listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded and convinced and believe the person from the dead. And so some scholars suggest that should be should suggest that it should be interpreted literally, mm. but it is a it describing the state of the dead, but it's not. But this view will lead to several unbiblical conclusions and will contradict many of the passages that we have already looked at. Well, first, we would have to admit that heaven and hell are close enough to allow a conversation between the dweller of both places. We also would have to suppose that in the afterlife, while the body lies in the grave, there remains a conscious form of the spiritual soul with eyes, a finger, a tongue, which feels thirsty. So my question is, what? Why are we? Uh, why do we feel like this is talking about the state of the dead? So let me finish. <laughs> I, I like how they put that. So. If this passage were a description of a human state in death, then heaven would certainly not be a place of joy and happiness because the saved could closely follow the endless suffering of their lost loved ones and even dialogue with them. So how could a mother be happy in heaven while beholding the agony of her beloved child in hell? What kind of God could be? Exactly. What kind of God would allow you that you make it to heaven and you as your, me as your husband mm -hmm. in hell burning and you know that you watching that. And you're in agony and I'm able to dialogue with you. Right. Now, That's now, ridiculous. Now, what kind of God is that? Exactly. You, you're able to talk and, and go on with me mm -hmm. and I'm down there burning in hell, and you in heaven. Now, what kind of God would that be? Right. Now, he have already told you and I his word. When the, when it's all over with, he's going to wipe everything of this earth out of your mind. He's going to clean it. And we, and exactly. So, in such context as you would, what you're saying, it would be virtually impossible for God's promises of no more sorrow, yeah. crying, and pain to be fulfilled. 
That's right. So he's going to collect white gold mine clean from anything in the memories of this earth. Or anything of this earth. That's right. No or anyone of this earth. Or anyone that's in hell. You're not going to have a memory of any of that. So how can that be? How could you believe that that exists? Well, exactly, because it's, it's totally contrary. Because of such incoherence, many modern biblical scholars regard the story of rich man and Lazarus as a parable from which not every detail can be interpreted literally. Certainly sounds like one here when he says that this story was probably a parable which made use of current Jewish thinking and is not intended to teach anything about the state of the dead. So let's look at this. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus represents, it presents a sharp contrast between a well-dressed rich man and a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of swords. So the account teaches that, number one, status and social recognition in the present are not the criteria for the future reward. And two, the eternal destiny of each person is decided in this life and cannot be reversed in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. That's what it's teaching you. Yes. So just because he was the well-dressed rich man was well-dressed and he had money, that don't mean he's going to go to heaven. That's right. Just as well as the beggar and Lazarus and all what he did with was going to go to hell. That's all he's telling you. It does. It, that's not a criteria for heaven. That's right. And then when, it, when probation is closed, it's it closed. cannot be reversed. <clears throat> when, when probation is closed, or I don't care how much money you got, how many big fine clothes you got, how many big fine automobiles you got, when your probation is closed, baby, it's closed. Can't nobody be open. I don't care how many <clears throat> banks, uh, trucks you got going behind you, uh, whatever it may be, when your eyes shut and your heart stop, it's over. It's over. It's over. <clears throat> and now he also was saying that, well, go back and tell them, you know, that you, about where I'm at so that they won't come here. But in other words, he's saying, but if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, what makes you think somebody from the dead, they're going to listen to you? Yeah, if, he said, if he said somebody back from the dead and told you what hell is like, would you believe that? No. No. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't believe when Jesus Christ came back. Jesus came back to redeem the world and, and, and was telling them, you know, how they had to live, not, not to go to hell. They didn't believe that. Nope, they did not. They didn't, they didn't believe it. So we sent someone back from hell right today to tell all of us what not to do to go there. And half of them going to say, oh, well, really? He's already giving you his commandments. You're denying him. Mm-hmm. You're denying his commandments. Well, if you obey them, you won't go. You won't obey them now. Well, think about it like this. You see a lot of people dying. Well, what makes you think you're not going to die either? So in other words, people continue to live their life as if they're not going to die. Well, he already told you how, to, how not to go to hell. What did he say? Choose life 
Choose you this day, life or death. Choose life. Choose life. I just said, choose right. life. Well, no, I'm just saying yeah, how yeah. he yeah, gave the option. Yeah, you got an option, life or death. And he tell you to choose life. That's right. He's already telling you. And you don't, 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 we don't believe that already. Already telling you how to stay out of hell. Choose life. And to get life, be obedient. Obey my commandments. And, and, and you choose life by doing that. And we don't believe, we say, oh, that's, that's for you. Oh, they, the commandment was hung on the cross. <laughs> we so, well, there we are right there. No, if it's, it's, if it's been hung on the cross, then there's no sin. No sin. If there's that's no right. sin, there's no law. If there's no law, there's no sin. So, whatever the Bible tells us, we're going to all, we're going we're gonna to fight against it. We're not going to believe it. So, what good would it do to send somebody from hell and tell you don't go there? Because you ain't going to believe it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're going to find, we got another passage that's contrary in the Bible. We're going to go to Luke chapter 23. 23, all right. In verse 43. Oh, 43. I like that. There we go. There we go. 43, right? All right. And he answered him, truly, I tell you today, you should be with me in paradise. Well, one of the Bible's passages mostly widely used to try to prove the immortality of the soul is this one. Right. Jude, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Almost all Bible versions translate this text in a similar way, giving the impression that on the very day Christ died, Christ and the thief will be together in paradise. Mm -hmm. Well, this should not surprise us because those translations were made by biblical scholars who believe in the dogma of the natural immortality of the soul. But is this the best translation of the text? Okay, let's compare that text we just read and go to John 2017. John, I, mean, I love that John 2017. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> All right, we read that, I jumped on that. All right, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, do not hold me, for I have not yet mm -hmm. ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and tell them, I am ascended to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Okay, we got another text to compare. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3. One, two, three. Okay. All right. Do not let your hearts be troubled or agitated. You believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on God. Believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely also on me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I am going away to prepare a place for you. And when I go and make ready a place for you, I will come back again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. There it is. <clears throat> so how should the promise to the repentant thief on the cross be understood in the light of Jesus' words to Mary and his promises to his disciples? Well, we just read it. First of all, he did not 
go to heaven that day because Jesus didn't. No. No. And so we know that he is laying resting until Jesus comes back. back. Like he said, I went to go prepare a place for you. And when I come back again, I will take you to myself. That's so right. That's right. why what they're saying is, oh, him and Jesus, all we went to heaven together. Jesus didn't even go to heaven that day. No. So you know the thief didn't either. No. How could the thief go and Jesus didn't go? Exactly. Now, they, the Bible told you Jesus, Jesus didn't go. He didn't go to what? He didn't go until, like he told Mary Magnum, I'm going this day as she's seen him. Yeah, he hadn't go. even been he hadn't to even heaven been. yet. They put him in the cave, in, in, in the cave and rolled that big stone. That's right. Over and that's where he lay. And, and he, then he, he rose the right. next day. So, so he didn't go. He rose the third day. The third day when mm -hmm. he went. That's right. So that's if right. he didn't go to three days later, oh, I guess the thief, well, the thief went ahead of him. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go on. Okay. I'm, 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 well, <laughs> okay. He had to go ahead to meet him there. <laughs> <laughs> so, the assumption that Christ and the thief went on that same day to paradise contradicts, like we said, Jesus' words to Mary Magdalene after his resurrection, which affirmed that he had not yet gone to the presence of his Father in heaven. Yeah. This error that both Jesus and the repentant thief went to heaven that day also contradicts promise to his disciples that they will be taken to heaven only at his second coming. There you go. Because he told his mother, <clears throat> he said, woman, do not touch me. I, I haven't have even ascended to my father. He told his mother that. Mm -hmm. Come on, don't get right. back. Mm -mm. He told Mary Magdalene that. Get back. That's right. Don't, uh -uh, don't get your hands on me yet. Mm -mm. So, uh, I guess the thief went on ahead. Uh -uh, Caught that bunch of heads. We're just going to take a break real quick. <laughs> and we're going to come back talking about some of the contrary passages that's in the Bible right here on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweetbank. <laughs>
right. That's my boy up there. And they I, got a, I got a new wall. Oh, a new talk. That's right. In oh, the cooling water. Oh, what you talking about? A new walk, a new talk, a new look. Ooh, you know yes. you've been to the cooling water. Amen. All right. So we want to thank you for joining us right here on LPJ. If you just joined in, we're talking about contrary passages from the Bible. We have talked about the one about Lazarus, and we're talking about the one where he said, Truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Well, so the most natural reading of Luke 23, verse 43 would be, Truly I tell you today, comma, you will be with me in paradise. So in this case, the endomatic expression, I tell you today, emphasizes the reverence and solemnity of the statement, you will be with me in paradise. Right. You will, will be, be with me. Well, it says, truly I say to you today, comma, there you, you go. will be with me in paradise. Right. There you go. So in short, Jesus was promising him right then and there that he will be saved. There you go. So that, that's how you read that. Mm. So we're going to go to another passage. Uh, Philippians chapter 1. Okay. Chapter 1 and verse 21 through 24. 21, 24. Okay. For me to live in Christ, his life in me, and to dying is gain. If if, however, it is to be life in the flesh, and I am to live on here, that means fruitful service for me, so I can say nothing as to my personal preference cannot choose. I cannot choose. But I am hard-pressed between two. My yearning desire is to depart, to be free of this world, to set forth and be with Christ, but that is far, far better. But to remain in my body is more needful and essential for your sake. Let me read that in your verse 24. Still I go on in the flesh is more necessary because of you. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to go and read 1 Thessalonians. We are comparing these two scriptures. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. Now also we not have you ignorant, brethren, about those who fall asleep in death, that you may not grieve for them as the rest do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will also bring with him through Jesus those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the Lord's own words that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall in no way proceed into presence or have any advantage at all over those who have previously fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud cry of summons and with the shout of the archangel and with the blast of the trumpet of God and those who have departed this life in Christ will rise first. Then we, living ones who remain, shall simultaneously be caught up along with 
the resurrected, resurrected dead in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so always we should be with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So when did Paul expect to be with Christ? Well, in Philippians, like we talked about, chapter 1 and 23, he was comparing those. He is expected to be with Christ when what? The last trump, his second coming. And like he said, but I am hard-pressed between two. My yearning desire is to depart to be free of this world, to set forth and be with Christ, for that is far, far better. And so in First Thessalonians, when we read that, he is, is going to be caught up. So right now, he's resting. He said it would be better to be with Christ away from this world. world. Away from this world. He looked forward to it. He's waiting on it. He's not there yet. Right, because if he, God told you, he tells you the men that went to with him. Besides yeah. one Enoch that, was translated. Um, and I have to look that up. I'm not going to uh, quote right now because I'm not for sure. But and he, several of them that was already, and he tells you in the Bible yeah. which one that's already. And those are the only one that went to heaven with him. Right. And the rest of them are laying in their bed, sleep. And waiting. not only that, we're not even for sure when. He died on that cross. I know they say it now. I think it's in the Bible that there was some that had already died. There was, but we're not for sure on that. So we're going to so, leave well, it at I'm that. I'm looking up and we'll be able to tell you, but he told you the ones that did. Otherwise, the rest of them in the bed, sleep, waiting on they, that trumpet. They're in the grave, resting until he comes. You know, Paul was driven with the passion to live in Christ now. Yeah. That's what he's talking about. So we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Okay, verse 5. And 17, I'm sorry. I said 7. 5, 17. 5, 17. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like he's saying, therefore, if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the fresh and new has come. So to live in Christ and with Christ after his second coming. So to live in Christ now, he says, it's far better to live with Christ basically after his second coming. Yes. So and then like he said in First Thessalonians 4.17, what we read, let's go back and then, First Thessalonians chapter four, verse seventeen. Like you said, oh, did you get it yet? Yeah, okay. seventeen. Then we, the little ones who remain, shall simultaneously be caught up along with the resurrected dead in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Right. So the one that have passed on, that have passed on, that's in Christ. If that and went on. And still waiting for and their still resurrection. Waiting on Christ to come. When Christ come and blow that trumpet and raise them up, then the line in Christ will go up with them. 
That's right. For the apostle not even death could break the assurance of belonging to his Savior and Lord. And as he said in the epistles to the Romans, neither death nor life can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. We're going to go to that. Romans chapter 8. 8, 39. 38 and 39. 38 and 39. Okay, that's good. 38 and 39. Okay. For I am persuaded beyond doubt and am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things impending to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and we die, we die to the Lord. That's right. Right. So therefore, we're going to go to uh, Romans 14 and 8. Romans 14 verse 8 says, if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. Yeah, and we said, as long as we have life, we, we are living to the Lord. Or if we give up our life, it is to the Lord. So if we have lived, or if our life comes to an end, we are the Lord's. Amen. So, it all boils down. If you live for the Lord, you die for the Lord, your life is the Lord. And so what he's saying him. is, he, when he's living here on this earth, he is in the Lord. That's right. And it's far better that when Christ comes the second time, that he's going to be with Christ. Either way, he live or he die, right. he's going to be with Christ. And if you die for the Lord, your life, it's good. Amen. If you die for Lord, what better person it is to die for? That's exactly right. What better per person is to live for here on this earth and then than the Lord? And die as well. That's right. In so, Jesus Christ. Right. In Jesus Christ. And there's no other person better than uh, uh, to uh, die for. He said, and for this purpose, Christ went into death and kind came back again. Then he might be the Lord of death and for the what? Living. All right. Amen. So I mean, there we go. We're talking about dying and living. If it's for Christ, you can't go wrong. Amen. Amen. Either way you do it, you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. If it's for Jesus Christ, dying and living, he's telling you right here, if it's for me, you on a winning streak. Living or dead. That's right. So with this certainly in mind, Paul spoke of the believers who already had died as those who sleep in Jesus and who will be raised at Christ's second coming to receive eternal life. That's right. So I, I, I mean, if I got to die, let me die for Jesus. Amen. Because if I die for him, I'm going to live for him. That's right. 
That's the only way you're going to be able to die for him if you live for him. That's what I'm saying right here in this word. If I die for him, I'm going to live for him. That's right. I'm going to live for him on the other side. If I die on this side, I'm going to be brought up on the other side. Life will begin on the other side for Jesus Christ and for me. Eternity life on the other side if I die on this side. That's right. And if I live on this side to the end, I'm going to live on the other side. Now, that's what I'm talking about. See, that's what either I'm talking about. way. Either <laughs> way, he's saying right here, either way it goes, if it's for him, you can't lose. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. You see here in the word, that's, that's right. a good feeling. It is. That's it, a good it feeling. It sure is. We're going to go to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 23. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 23. 23. Okay. But I am hard pressed between two. My yearning desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far, far better. So when Paul mentioned his desire to depart and be with Christ, did he imply that after death his soul would depart to live consciously for Christ? No, not at all. Paul verbalized his desire to leave this present troubled existence and be with Christ. Without reference to any lapse of time that may occur between the two events. Now, this verse does not teach that Paul expected to go to heaven at death. He was very clear that he would not receive his reward until the second coming. That's right, because he just said, I am in a hard position between the two. Mm -hmm. Have a desire to go away and be with Christ, and that was which his is desire. very much better. Far better. Amen. It's better. He, just, he said he got the desire to go away and be with Christ, which mm -hmm. is very, very much better. That's right, because he said he was in a hard uh, position between yeah. the two. Between the two. I mean, man, I'm twisting between. I'm twisting between the two. Mm -hmm. And he had the desire to go away and be with Christ, which is a very much better place to be. Amen. <laughs> oh, man, I, I, I understand what he's saying. I understand it. I understand what he's saying. Mm -hmm. He's twisting in between. But there's a very much better place to be. That's with Christ. That's right. Much better place much to be. Better. And, and that's with Christ. That's where he'd rather be. But right now, he, he's in between. He, he's battling. He's in between. So in short, Paul is saying that the next thing he will know after death will be Christ coming in the clouds of heaven Amen. to raise the dead when he will be with the Lord. All right. Amen. And he also, it also should be noted that the Bible writers at times refer to two events together that may be separated by a long period of time. All so right. That's basically what happens. And, and we want to imply that Paul, soon he died, he went to heaven, no. and that is not true. No. So that's another contrary passage in the Bible that we have to go line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Yeah, yeah I mean, this, this is like uh, 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 all of us right now, we here, 
and we battling it with the enemies like man I, I i desire to go away and be with christ right now you know that's, that's, <laughs> that's a much better place with christ mm -hmm. i know that's a much better place and it's with christ and i i desire to be there that's right you know but my question is, why would Paul refer, prefer to die than to live? Well, because then he could finally rest, rest until all right. his trouble. That's why right. he could finally rest until Christ come and get him. He would be rested. Rest. He could be resting and not on this battlefield out here trying to battle his way through. He can be resting in Christ, waiting on Christ to come get him. Until Christ come to get him, he'd be resting. He wouldn't have to be out here on his battlefield no, no more. Longer. No, no, no longer suffering the pain and the Right, body. right. So this is what he's saying. It's a much better place to be, to be with Christ. Because if he, if he died, he would die in Christ. He would be and in good shape. And he'll be resting in peace, knowing that his home is already made. He's good with Christ. He know his soul is right, and then he'll wake up in Christ's arms and in heaven. That's right. That's so, why we're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 okay. and verse 27. Okay. First, first, okay. Here 1 we go. Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. And verse 27. <laughs> okay. Here we go. But like a boxer, I buffet my body, handle it roughly, disciplined by hardships and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself shall become unfit, not stand the test, be unproved and rejected as a counterfeit. <clears throat> so he would do so with the full certainty that he, certainly that he will receive the crown of righteousness. And he know if he if he could just lay down and rest until God come and get him. <laughs> That's why he said much better place if he be, be, be with Christ. If I could lay on down. I could just and, lay and rest and until the second coming. Until the second coming as a much better place. That's what he's saying. If I because guess, he on the battlefield. Right. We on the battlefield. On the battlefield. We fighting every day. Yeah. And I don't want to be a castaway. Yeah. That's right. After preaching the gospel to everybody for years, yeah. and then I become a castaway. Yeah. So this is what he's saying. If I can just lay down and rest right now until God come. And we know that. That's all he's saying, yeah. And we all would like to do that. If you're a Christian and you know God, you know your soul is right, you would say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm Put ready. me to rest till That's you right. come back to get me. I'm ready to lay down. I'm Amen. ready to lay down and rest in you. That's exactly right. But we're going to come back um, with part two of the contrary passages in the Bible. Well, we're going to play a song and come back with closing comments and email address and prayer. So keep it locked in on LPJ 64. I'm going to the Lord for being alive here tonight.
tonight for joining us right here on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour. When we was talking about contrary passages in the Bible, we're going to come back with part two because we got a few more to tell you about. We're going to have closing comments tonight. You know, sometimes I know I have thought about how nice it would be to close my eyes and the next thing you know, be with Christ. So in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And that's what he wants us to do. And when we do that, we'll be like Paul. We look forward to it. And now we have closing prayer. A mind to pray. Dear Almighty and Omnipotent God, our Father, our Creator, and everlasting help. 
we humbly approach your throne in the precious name of Jesus. We eagerly enter your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise, recognizing you are infinite in power and might. The fullness of your ways are past knowing and your majesty is both seen and felt. Your word says you will grant us the very desire and will to do those things that are pleasing in your sight. In the name of Jesus, the first and the last, we ask for our mind to pray and revelation to have a deeper and more intimate fellowship with you. We ask that you drive out all distractions and the cares of this life and give us a sincere heart to seek your face with great expectation and hope. Let us have the same attitude of Christ, who was totally faithful and dependent on you. In the name of Jesus, help us, Holy Spirit, to submit our minds to the purpose and plans of God while teaching us how to follow him daily. Let us turn from our wicked ways so that our sins be forgiven and that you hear our prayers and restore our land. In the name of Jesus, renew our minds and saturate them in your word that our thoughts are pure and steadfastly focused on you. Draw us near and let us listen attentively to your voice, cherishing every moment in prayer and fellowship with you. Let us desire your presence more than our natural food and give us a mind to pray and seek your kingdom above all else while trusting you to provide all of our needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen. And may the windows of heaven open and pour upon you a bundle of blessings. And don't forget to come back Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Monday we're going to have part two of Contrary Passages in the Bible. And have a wonderful and blessed Sabbath. And have a good night.